This is the daily podcast from St Paul's Knightsbridge, an invitation to pause for not more than 10 minutes each day to think, to reflect and to pray. I'm Alan Guyland. This week, as we approach the Feast of the Epiphany on Wednesday, on which the Church celebrates the legend of the coming of the wise men to the Christ child led by a star, we are reaching for the stars. Thursday of this week is the 411th anniversary of the first observation of the so-called Galilean moons. Ganymede, Callisto, Io and Europa are the four largest moons of the planet Jupiter, which, on the 7th of January 1610, thanks to a brilliant set of improvements to his rudimentary telescope, Galileo, the Italian scientist, was able to distinguish and to name. This discovery had a seismic impact on the world of thought. Why? Well, because the discovery of celestial bodies orbiting something other than the Earth was the death blow to the Ptolemaic understanding of the universe, which, following Aristotle, had presumed that the Earth was the centre of everything, and round it orbited in various patterns of motion everything else that God had created. In fact, the Ptolemaic understanding of the universe was a greatly enhanced and more sophisticated understanding of how the universe operated than was that of Aristotle, whose system, though intellectually pleasing, failed to account for the way the observable universe behaved. Some 75 years before Galileo's discovery, Copernicus, in his treatise on the revolution of the heavenly spheres, had suggested that some of the oddities of heavenly motion could better be explained if the sun, rather than the earth, was at the centre of the model of the universe, an insight confirmed by Galileo's empirical observations. The seismic impact of this proposed shift in thinking was not merely on some abstracted world of science. In his day, There was no such sacred, secular divide. Galileo's discovery hit at the very heart of the religious view of how God's creation functioned. And it was for this reason that Galileo very quickly fell foul of those at the heart of Western Catholicism. The proposed shift, based on observation, from a geocentric, that is an earth-based, to a heliocentric, that is a sun-based model, was a matter of huge controversy. The church authorities condemned the theory. In 1616 they forced Galileo to recant and they banned Copernicus's book. Interestingly, all of this coincided with the tensions of the Protestant Reformation in Europe, and so the challenge was seized upon by some in the church who saw the championing of heliocentrism rejected by the Roman hierarchy as a useful political football to kick about, and so the theory was enthusiastically adopted by some theologians and taught in some Protestant universities. 1600, or thereabouts, was also the point at which, with the beginning of scientific thought, a distinction was made between, on the one hand, astronomy, that is, the attempt to map the heavens and celestial bodies to explain their relationship, and on the other, astrology, 
which was the study of how heavenly bodies impacted life on Earth. From the earliest time, the observation that the warmth of the sun was in some way the source or sustainer of life, and because the moon caused tides, it was presumed that other heavenly bodies must also influence the Earth, and so might explain human behaviour and allow for predictions to be made. Human personality was understood to be profoundly shaped by the planets, a view of things that survives in certain phrases we still use in contemporary English. Jupiter, Jove, disposed certain people to be merry or jovial. Mars and Venus influenced people either to be warlike, we say martial, or loving. Some people we say are mercurial, that is, lively and unpredictable. And lunatics were those whose behaviour was seen to be affected by the cycle of the moon. Certain colleagues I've worked with over the years have been Saturnine, that is, gloomy. And that phrase comes from the planet Saturn. And beyond the impact of individual planets, the constellations of stars in the heavens were assumed, imagined, to have their impact too. Hence, the twelve signs of the zodiac, each of which was seen in the sky to be in the ascendant for roughly one month of the year, and which, allied to the impact of the planets, must have significant influence on behaviour. Mankind, of course, had free will, but in the thought world of ancient Babylon, the heavens made themselves felt, and the signs of the zodiac, which have their roots in Babylonian thought, much later in Roman times, became the way of codifying this impact. This pseudoscience is still popular today, and which of us hasn't scanned the horoscope in the daily paper and noticed that its bland prognostication seems to fit us and our experience reasonably well? There must be something in it, we think. The wise men, the magi, woven into St Matthew's Gospel, were not astronomers in the modern sense, but astrologers. They sought to foretell events on Earth based on their observation of the heavens. And in St Matthew's worldview, such was entirely possible. Their presence in the story brings a mystical and magical quality to a story already greatly informed in St Luke's Gospel by angelic voices and supernatural initiatives. Immersion in these infancy stories as children in nativity plays leaves many of us wrestling uncomfortably in later life with the task of reconciling different worlds of thoughts. The speculative, supernatural world in which life is shaped by heavenly, unpredictable cosmic forces beyond us on the one hand, that is, a world in which we are done to, and on the other, a world in which science observes no such impacts or interventions, but rather invites us to engage life rationally and empirically, with an invitation to assume our responsibility and to shape our lives ourselves. Many people, as in the 1600s, still fear the impact of the latter on the former world of thought. The question for us, I guess, is Galileo's question. What is at the centre of it all? Around what do we see our life revolving? In his case, it was a question about cosmology, was it the earth or the sun that was at the centre? 
In our case, that question having been definitively answered in the 17th century, it is a more subtle question. Do we, as religious people, believe that we are pawns in a game shaped by forces beyond us, or do we cleave to the idea of human dignity and our createdness in love in a universe led by a loving God into fuller life? What is at the centre around what do we see our life revolving? Christians are those who simply place Jesus Christ at the centre of it all, and who, as life unfolds and revolves, seek to orientate themselves constantly to his life, death and resurrection. Unfortunately, this is not a simple task, but it is a profoundly fulfilling one, in which our human autonomy and dignity and freedom are understood as gifts from a loving God who holds before us himself and invites us to respond. And why not join me tomorrow, 6.30 on Wednesday evening for our online celebration of Epiphany and then for a Zoom drinks party afterwards.